0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap.
1: Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks is the that's, that's where it all starts, because It all starts taking care of business in-house in the central division.
0: That's right, I'm a meatball.
1: Welcome in White Sox fans it is Sox on tap after dark here on a Friday night since we're getting going a little bit late uh, just before 1130 here Friday uh, after a White Sox split with the Kansas City Royals in a doubleheader this afternoon I'm Johnny Nani alongside Tony Marchese here and uh, Tony I know the first game didn't turn out so well but the second game resulted in a win so it's time for victory beers once again crack them.
0: Crack them, Johnny. I fucking love it, man. Let's talk some White Sox baseball. I've got plenty of beers down here. I hope you've got a few lined up as well. Uh, Thanks all to have joined us thus far. This is a live show, so feel free to drop some comments in. But Johnny, I am ready to talk some White Sox baseball, drink some beers, and have a good Friday night with you, man.
1: Yeah, it is going to be a good Friday night, Tony. A lot to talk about. Obviously, some uh, not so good, some a little scary, um, but then also uh, we can kind of round it out uh, with some positive stuff and some fun topics uh, as we lead into the weekend here and get you going uh, with the White Sox. But before we do any of that, as always, make sure you're going to OnTapSportsNet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Sox on tap and at on tap Sportsnet, If you're looking for white socks or Chicago sports merchandise, grandstand socks is the place to go. You can visit them and shop online at grandstand socks and also uh, view their social media accounts at Grandstand Sox. Um, so, Tony, like I mentioned, a split today. White Sox drop game one by a score of 6-2 to two and win game two uh, by a score of 3-1, to one, hence the victory beers that we just cracked here. Uh, scary moment. Let's start off with the big news in game one. Collision in the second inning, uh, Jose Abreu with Hunter Dozier there. Scary. Uh, Looks like it could be to the head. Looks like it could be a possible concussion. Obviously, we'll get to the official ruling after that. Initial thoughts, what were you feeling after Jose Abreu collided with Hunter Dozier?
0: So the really unfortunate thing about two o'clock starts Johnny is that sometimes you get called into work and are not looking at the TV uh, when the play happens. Uh, So, you know, I'm just, you know, typing away at the keyboard and uh, go check Twitter for a second, look over my head games on mute on a meeting and uh, see that uh, Jose Abreu collides with Hunter Dozier on what is just, you know, really unfortunate play. In my opinion, yes, Hunter Dozier needs to look up a little bit, but uh you can obviously kind of sympathize with uh Hunter Dozier, at least in my opinion. At least in my opinion, you could sympathize with him. He did make it around Yasmani Grandel, kind of pissed off about the fact that he pops one up and just runs directly into Jose Abreu. Still, fuck Hunter Dozier because you take out our MVP, but at the same point in time, Johnny, uh, you know, if if you're in that position as well, you put your head down, you kind of just jog to first base. I don't think he was exactly going full speed or trying to do anything intentional there. Just a really fucking unfortunate play for the White Sox here. Uh, you know, I think that just piles up when you, when you look at the Eloy and Luis Robert injuries, just unfortunate things that have happened so far this year. Jose Abreu on the receiving end of just, in my opinion, an unfortunate baseball play should Hunter Dozier have looked up and, and seen him there and tried to go around him too? Yes. But, uh, it, it it's just one of those things, man. And you go back to like some, that's a white Sox type <laughs> mentality here. Um, man, I, I just didn't like it at all. Um, and it just, it felt cursed. It felt bad. It felt the same type of energy when Louis Robert was hurt, uh, where you just sucked the life out of the team for the rest of that game. And, man, it just, it it fucking sucks.
1: Yeah, my take on the play itself uh, is that yes, by the rule book, Connor Dozier is in the wrong here. He has to avoid uh, the players, uh, the the fielders at that point. So yes, yeah, so you can go and point to that. And I know Herb Lawrence on Twitter is a big proponent of that today. And sure, uh, that's sure and fine by the rule book there. But I look at the situational aspect of it. First of all, what an odd distance right between there! Like it's not like it was further down the line where he had time to kind of react to it and, and make a loop, a big loop around both of them. No, he goes around Yasmani, so he does avoid one guy. I think people are. Forgetting that because they just saw the end result, he does avoid Yasmin. He could have very easily just slammed into Yasmani Grandal, and that would have obviously been interference on him or whatever. But he could have done that if his head was completely down there. But he does make it and avoids, so he has to kind of duck around like this, you know, with the shoulder, a little kind of like a D lineman move there. And as he comes around, you're meeting a brick wall. And Hunter Dozier's a big guy himself, too. Uh, and, and they just collide uh, right there because, obviously, that play for is a little bit easier for a corner infielder charging in to make than a catcher uh, going back and having to turn his back a little bit uh, and get there. So just I think just kind of a little bit of a fluke there as well. Um, so, yeah, sure, technically, by the rules, Hunter Dozier in the wrong. But at the same time, I think Gordon Beckham put a good perspective on it during the uh, NBC Sports White Sox postgame show uh, when they were live. And he talked about it as a player, like, hey, you know, it, it, you just know you're out, but you, you know, you kind of put your head down. Sometimes you're sulking a little bit and sure uh, it think about all the times that people do that and there's nobody's in the way and it doesn't result in any contact. And then this time uh, it does. So then that's why we're bitching and moaning about it here, but uh, th- that's just the way it unfolded. Uh, fortunately though, there was no, uh, excuse me, if initial tests for concussion came back negative, uh, it, Jose Abreu did suffer a face uh, contusion and laceration uh, and a bruised knee uh, in that and then I believe Hunter Dozier uh, had a leg ailment of himself uh, as well as some uh, you know facial lacerations uh, too because they met up high so that was the end result of that play and I think the biggest point uh, that you made there I was going to touch on it too sucked yeah the life out of the team uh, not only that but the stadium too just went like dead silent after that and obviously the sequence of events after with the royal scoring runs didn't help that at all uh, It did deaden the energy even more uh, but, but that's just a rough start to the day um so that was our first big storyline here uh it was giolito on the mound for game one and when pushing out to right field tony i know we've ragged on lucas Gio a little bit here uh but these like expected batting averages on these balls are like what like one like 90 and like two like 60 or some shit like that um i forget the exact figures but uh two that the wind just kind of takes out and that results in the runs uh for the royals with a pair of home runs uh here and uh it's a tough one for Giolito because it seems like things uh, just haven't gone right, and then people jump on his case and all that. And I think some of it can be warranted uh, because we know how good he can be, and he's just not up to that level right now, and there is a little bit of a lack of focus there. Uh, but overall, give, give me some thoughts, Giolito, here. Um, I'm not going to go and completely uh, trash him here. Uh, I don't think that's warranted. But at the same time, like I mentioned, not up to his uh, 2019, 2020 stuff, even without uh, a little bit of bad luck with the uh, uh, you know uh, environmental factors at play today.
0: Yeah, Johnny, man, I said a lot about Lucas Giolito with Buzz on a Saturday night show uh, about a week ago, Uh, and you can go back and roll the tape on that. I've got my feelings on him. I've had them for for quite a long time. I love Lucas Giolito's success that he's had with this team thus far, Um, but I still have some question marks on this guy. Um, I do think that he pitched – fairly well in, in, in game one, Johnny, to be completely honest with you. I'm not the type of guy that goes out there and looks at expected batting average on balls, uh, that are hit or, or any of that stuff. I think that that's, uh, you know, a, a valuable thing to look at. Obviously you got some wind helping you, uh, the condition of the ball. I I, I don't really get down into all of those stats. And if you listen to the show, Johnny, I don't think either of us really do, uh, when it comes to, you know, advanced stats in, in that matter. Um, what matters to me is, is end result. Um, at the end of the day, though, I think Lucas Giolito pitched fairly well. This wasn't a completely terrible blow-up start for Lucas Giolito. could have been much worse. Um, obviously, you don't like the end result of, of what he put up here, and I think some of the same things still apply uh, when it comes to mentality, I was not exactly happy with some of the performance. In fact, uh, one of the things that eats me up the most uh, about this start is the missed double play uh, where he doesn't cover first base. So there's some some extra things about Lucas Giolito's performance on the field today that don't exactly, uh, you know, re- like you evaluate this. Not, confidence. Yeah, it doesn't inspire confidence. Um, he hasn't really inspired confidence at all much this year. Uh, to be honest with you, outside of the commercial from the guaranteed rate thing like that inspires me uh, <laughs> to go from the worst pitcher in the American League to getting a great mortgage, That that's great. Uh, but, you know, uh, his performance on the mound just leaves me thinking I'm going to get a really fucking bad interest rate on the thing uh, at the end of the day. So I, I want to see better from Lucas Giolito. I want to see him be able to, you know, secure the rate for me. And, you know, lock me into the 3.02 ERA instead of a six. It's just better math at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I really want to, I want to spin this uh, one second here. Tony La Russa actually uh, had a really good post-game show on this when he was asked about Lucas Gelito's start and whether or not he felt that he was dominant enough today. And Tony La Russa uh, comes out there and says that uh, outside of those two balls that were hit, uh, uh, well enough into right field, caught the wind and got out of the stadium. He 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 was pretty dominant. I I really love the fact that Tony La Russa steps up and uh, you know takes the doubt off of Lucas Giolito. That's got to mm-hmm. be a weight off of his shoulders, and uh, I don't think that that's going to get talked about enough uh, in the in the media. Uh, so I'm going to say it. Uh, wonderful job in the post game from Tony La Russa there to uh, put his support behind quote unquote his ace here in Lucas Giolito, and I think that that should help him going forward. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you kind of aired out all that kind of extracurricular stuff. I want to talk about the tactical in-game stuff here, Um, and that was, you know, even though the White Sox lost this game, and like I mentioned, the uh, bulk of the runs from Lucas Giolito uh, coming off of home runs, a Taylor two-run shot uh, in the second, and then there was the uh, Perez three-run shot, uh, both out to right field, like I mentioned, the wind pushing uh, to right field there to make it uh, that, that was the fifth run, and then Giulio still gets you through six here, though, uh, in this game, uh, and then you go. What did to, I say last night, man? You, you yeah this is exactly what we were talking about, about what you needed. So, you know, we expected a winning you know, effort and him to go like the complete distance and like, you know, the Royals only scoring, scoring like one run uh, in this game. But either way, that's not how it worked out. But I think going six is still big here, uh, just given that it is a double header. And then obviously uh, they needed these bullpen arms, which we'll get to in game two. Uh, and then there's still uh, games on Saturday and Sunday uh, as well, which we'll get to as well uh, towards the end of this thing. But uh, then you go to the guy that was the 27th man for this and that's Alex McRae. Um, so unfortunately, you never like to concede a game, but it's Pretty much mop up time uh, at this point. And he does let up one run that ends up making this thing 62 uh in this game. But uh, I think that's still big, e- even if he's not going to get the win here, especially usually, sometimes you just got to cut your losses a little bit and play for the next one when we're in early May here or mid May. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a different scenario if you're chasing the pennant uh, down the stretch uh, and uh, you're know, chasing the playoff spot or whatever it may be or a seed uh, within the playoffs. And it's talking about, you know, late August and September uh, might be a little bit different mentality. But I, I'd did not mind uh, Lucas Giolito's effort overall. Um, like I mentioned, a little bit of unlucky there, uh, and then also uh, Alex McRae able to mop up that last inning uh, even though he did give up the one run. Uh, that saved the bullpen for what we're about to talk about here. I'm done talking about this loss, Tony. We had the rough the injury. We had some bad luck uh, with, with the wind pushing out there. Um, we have yep. you know the Lucas Giolito tripes that uh, kind of have dominated a lot of the social media presence uh, when covering this team. Fuck that noise. Let's get into the win here because that's why we're drinking victory beers and socks on tap after
0: One last thing I want to say, though, is that during that start, Johnny, like I'm in a lot of different text groups with White Sox fans. There was a sense amongst people that wasn't necessarily being put out onto White Sox Twitter. And this is various people who are out there. I'm not going to name any names, but there was a sense during that start, Johnny, and I think it's valid that people are legitimately worried about Lucas Giolito going forward. These were all private messages. Again, I'm not naming any names. You were—I'll uh, name, name one of them. You were—you were—you were, you were, were, you were I, part of at least one of them. But there were people who are legitimately worried about Lucas Giolito, and I feel mm. like that's
1: valid to say. I have some concerns of myself too, and I have aired them out to you uh, via that and on the show too. Um, so it's not all just, you know, behind closed doors uh, when we're talking about that stuff. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's legitimate too because uh, think about it though. He set the bar high for himself uh, with this 2019 All Star yeah. campaign, uh, with what he's able to do in, the, you know, like that dominant start. That's what we know he can be uh, in that playoff series, the one game that the White Sox did win in Oakland uh, last year. So uh, he set the bar high for himself, and people kind of expect that. And also, he's playing for a contract too. I think that's the biggest thing. If he wants mm-hmm. that $200 million contract, contract uh, he's got to earn it he's got to go out and pitch like it uh and you know uh, recency bias is a very real thing uh when talking about that stuff think about guys who've gone on a tear and gotten a big contract <laughs> James McCann um okay all right uh that's about wraps it up uh for Man, this one going here.
0: deep there. <laughs> just cutting in deep
1: well, it's true. Yeah, so that's just one of the examples that came to the top of my head. Like I said, fuck this noise. Let's go talk about a win here. Let's, White go, Sox let's and- go
0: talk about a win. I've got more what? beers. We got to crack more beers. Yeah. Let's let's do this.
1: Yeah, White Sox take game uh, two of this Friday doubleheader by a score of three to one here. Michael Kopech, the spot start king. What'd you like from him?
0: I love watching Michael Kopech pitch. And I know that you and I both had this thing. Last year, I, I did not like the opt-out. I I know you didn't like the opt-out. Obviously, we're not going to get into Michael Kopech's history with whatever he had to deal with. Obviously, I, I respect it. It's okay. I just didn't like the opt-out. Um, but watching Michael Kopech pitch, man, his stuff is absolutely fucking phenomenal. I think he's got the most talent out of any pitcher on this White Sox staff. I think he is the key to everything here when it comes to pitching. I think he is your number one guy in two to three years. I think he is your absolute ace of this staff. Um, and, And this is one thing that I want to talk about, Johnny, is that I almost don't like him starting these games because you could have had him available in some situations out of the bullpen recently. Um, where you just would have loved to have gone to Michael Kopak instead of a guy like Jose Ruiz or even Aaron Bummer. I think that he's just the most talented pitcher on this fucking staff, Johnny. And when he is on the mound, I have the least amount of anxiety out of anybody outside of Lance Lynn right now. And maybe Carlos Rodon out of that, but I still have – that Carlos Rodan, like when when's it coming back down to earth? Lance Lynn and Michael Kopek are the two best pitchers on this team because of how you feel when they are in the game. Lance Lynn can pitch out of anything. Michael Kopek, I truly believe if you have the bases loaded, he's going to get the job done. Doesn't matter if there's one out, two outs, no outs. Those are the two guys who I would absolutely trust out of anybody to work out of that situation. I don't, I, I would not trust Lucas Giolito. I would not trust Carlos Rodon. I would not trust Aaron bummer to get me out of an inning where I've got three on nobody out. Those are the two guys that can do it. They're the best fucking pitchers on the staff. They have the nastiest stuff. You can get up there and hit fucking 99 miles an hour. Give them that gas. Like I fucking love it, man. Like I just, I wish Hawk Harrelson was in the booth yeah. to fucking call a Michael Kopeck strikeout. Gas! We're going to the next fucking inning. Grab some bench. I fucking love Michael Kopech on the mound for that reason, and that reason alone is because every time he's on the mound, I just envision Hawk Harrelson fucking calling Michael Kopeck strikeouts. He's cool and tough. He can get the job done. Love it that that's
1: all so, i got to say. So break, breaking down some of those. I mean, all, all the points that you made about him, just, you know, mentality wise and why, why you trust him there. I, I'm fully on board with you there. Uh, I am going to disagree though. I like him getting these spot starts because one, it gives you the best chance to win. That's number one. And we want to win baseball games. We want to win as many baseball games as possible. Separate this lead um, in the vision. You're on top fucking bury all the other teams while you're down. So th- that's number one for me. And two, I think it's big for uh, both uh, the arm uh building back up to that stretching back out to a starter you know they said uh it was stone and benetti were talking about how he kind of stretched out a, a little bit further in, in his sessions uh to kind of have that endurance uh to be able to go and obviously only goes four uh, in this one which is fine in a seven inning game you're able to do that because there was a uh, perfect bullpen management by your hall of fame baseball manager there um mm-hmm. But then also for the confidence for him, too, uh, because he knows he, he came in and now he's touted. Uh, he wants to be a starting pitcher, and the White Sox expect him to be a starting pitcher. It's going to take a little bit to get back to that point, and he will get back, and he'll be back in the bullpen and used in those high-leverage roles and possible multiple inning roles if somebody's eaten it early. Um, and you will see that, Tony, but I do like uh, these spot starts because this is only the third one uh, that we've had from him, and I think that as long as they're not as you know frequent early on uh, that opens the door to possibly, hey, you have an injury uh, in like you know late July, August, boom he's in the rotation for a couple weeks. And even if you move him back to the bullpen after that, but keep his throwing program going to a point to where he can be conditioned uh, to be ready for those starts, um, you know, and, you know, talk about playoff series. Who's your best guys? Who would you trust? Fuck it. I'd go uh, Lance Lynn, uh, Kopech, and Rodon right now. If we're talking, you know, this Dude, is right we, now. This we is, had this this, we is, had this conversation. This, is, this yeah. is halfway through May, though. We this had this. Talk to me again. It is halfway
0: this. through May. Talk to it, me, it again. It, talk and to you me what, again
1: in halfway through August.
0: You know what really scares me is today on the pregame show, before game one, they talked about, like, this is one of the best times the White Sox started. However, a couple of years ago, we had a really great run through right now, that 23 and what was it, 23 and 10 uh, season in 2016, yeah. 2017, whatever year that was. Um, so that one, that one made me a little bit, Scared because we talking last night and we're like, I'm not
1: though." I will say that very, team, very the, different. The
0: team was built very different, but I also came on this show last night and said that this team has it might have it. Yeah. Um and, and, you know, like during that year, I kind of felt that way too. I remember how magical that was, and we know how that year ended up. Uh, just not great for White Sox fans. And I I, I kind of took a step back today thinking, like, wow, it's really early. But, again, you go through today, you get a a major injury to Jose Abreu in Game 1, kind of expected this team was going to lose at some point in time. You come back out in Game 2, and you get the job done uh, via a guy that's making a spot start, albeit he might be the best pitcher on the roster. There are special things about this White Sox team, Johnny, I think we can both agree on.
1: It. Yeah, they got it. We talked about it a little bit last night, and if we have to explain it to you, you just don't get it. And maybe we can't even define it yet, but I think we will uh, once we get through uh, you know, more of a bulk of the schedule here. So uh, let's move on. That was Michael Kopech talk there to start this. Obviously, he got the spot start in game two, uh, went four innings, two hits, one earned run, came via a Carlos Santana home run, uh, solo shot, and two walks, five strikeouts, four Kopechs, so a solid day. And then um, after, uh, let's get into some White Sox scoring here uh, because in the bottom of the second, uh, Eaton led off of the double, And then Vaughn gone summer chapter two. It's open, baby. I, I love this, Tony. Our shtick here at Sox on Tap, crack him for Andrew Vaughn home runs. Uh, he has got a great bat. Uh, he obviously hit the one on Wednesday night for his first in the show, uh, and he's starting to feel it, and I think that's huge for the White Sox especially. And I know Jose Bray's probably not going to be out too, too long, given that he doesn't have a concussion, doesn't have to enter the protocol, but still nice to see Andrew Vaughn fill in at first base today and be productive with the bat and no real gaffs that I can uh, remember uh, from him in the field as well. So, big time from Vaughn. Talk about him a little bit.
0: Big time from Vaughn. Before I get there, Johnny, I want to give you some credit because we talked about Santana and his AL Central uh, just rampage that this guy goes on. Um, you expect that home run from Carlos Santana. Do you not? Because he he just oh, – terror- I totally do. He just, he's, Indians he's Royals just uniform guy. doesn't matter. Yeah, Doesn't matter what uniform he's wearing. He's not going to wear a White Sox uniform.
1: But he's going to terrorize us and everybody else in the AL Central, so you expect that. But Andrew Vaughn he's going man, to the Twins after uh, Nelson Cruz retires too. He probably will. You, you best I believe that. <laughs> I I love that you're calling this right now.
0: Hey, it's Friday night, man. Let's 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 let it all loose. Carlos Santana is going to terrorize us. Kenny, he's not a Kenny Williams guy, so Kenny Williams is not going to get his man here. Um, Andrew Vaughn, I love what he is doing. Right now, Johnny, because I I kind of doubted it to start this year. I kind of doubted it. Guy hasn't seen double-A, AA, triple-A pitching. You want a little bit of seasoning. Maybe I've got Gordon Beckham PTSD. But this guy has come up and looked as comfortable as any other major league hitter this year. And you see it happening right now, Johnny. You see it fucking happening He is hitting the ball as well as anybody else in the major leagues. Just able to fucking put great swings on baseballs. Even when he does not make contact with the baseball, his swing looks fucking awesome. He looks like a baseball player. He looks like that type of guy. And this is Andrew Vaughn is going to be a star for the White Sox. I was having this conversation during game two with everybody who was watching in the garage. Andrew Vaughn, might hit seventh, he might hit sixth on a roster that is extremely competitive but could probably go to a couple of other teams that are in the major leagues right now and hit 3-4.
1: I don't doubt it. I mean, the, the talent's there. The, the bat's there. I mean, there's a reason why he was the top bat in, in that draft. And we talked about this a little bit uh, on Thursday night, too. So, um, you know, just impressive stuff from Andrew Vaughn. So join in on the Vaughn Gone Summer. That's our little shtick with Andrew Vaughn over at Socks on Tap. Tweet along with us there. Um, and uh, as we move through a little bit further in this game, uh, the White Sox would uh, add another one in this bottom of the second here. We had talked about Vaughn a little bit. Um, but after uh, Collins uh, doubled, Hamilton line out. We chased uh, Eunice from the game. Zuber comes in. Mendic walk. Uh, magical reaches on air. Um, and Yon Mankata, a little RBI walk there that made it 3-0 uh, at the time And Santana's home run would come in the top of the third. That was all the scoring, uh, in this game. But, uh, now, now I think it's time to we focus a little bit on Andrew Vaughn offensively. They're not too much going other than that, but that's all they needed because, uh, first of all, props to the bullpen guys, always got to give props to the players first yep. because they're the ones out there performing on the field. Um, all the guys that came in Cody Hoyer, uh, with a one, two, three inning in the fifth, uh, Aaron bummer, with a one two, three inning in the sixth through the heart of the order. Uh, and then Liam Hendricks coming in, uh, locking it down. I think one guy got on, but either way, um, it did not matter. Uh, it was inconsequential. Nice play by Zach Collins in that final inning too. So props all around there. Um, and also props because people didn't like the lineup. And this goes back to uh, Matt, uh, you know, I think via have Voodoo uh, X07 here. Um, he says, I think the biggest issue is people have depth guys starting and in turn, you know, what people want. Um, yeah. The lineup is questionable today. And I think it's rightful to, to question it here. Um, but once again, uh, some of these guys need rest too. You don't want to burn. I, I, you know, I, I totally think Tim Anderson should have been in the lineup. Uh, for Game 2, and I think he would have been fine. There wouldn't have been any issues. But in the past, he has had knee or hamstring issues uh, that come up down the stretch. Uh, so you never know how, how a game like this being off uh, not playing, you know, 14 innings today uh, could save him uh, in a couple weeks in a couple months. Who knows? Um, so I th- think that's a counterpoint to uh, those people that don't want to see the depth guys in the starting lineup. Um, if it was up to me, I'd wish they were all machines and you could just play your fucking starting nine all the time. And uh, yeah, yep. I agree with that, but that's not life. That, that's not human. Um, so, yeah, Tony LaRusso is also managing men, uh, not just baseball players there. Uh, so you got to take into account uh, both their physical and mental conditions uh, as well. But uh, Tony LaRusso, let's give some props uh, for Hall of Fame manager uh, job uh, on the bullpen today. Uh, you couldn't have drawn it up any better than this. So uh, props here. TLR. Hey. Hellacious effort in, hell, hellacious effort in response. Dude, I,
0: I I have actually really loved the way that LaRusso has managed this team. And if you go back to last Saturday... I told you exactly why. He takes his pressure off his players just the same way Ozzie Guillen did when he was here with the White Sox, and that was something that was absolutely loved about Ozzie Guillen, the the ability to put the spotlight on him, take it off his players, relieve the pressure. That's been Tony La Russa since he walked in here. I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, some of the external factors are the reason for that. But Tony Roos has done that his entire career. You look what he did in St. Louis. The dude's a storyline. Same same exact way that Ozzie Gein is. People haven't realized it yet, but the dude is a storyline. And that's why his players have the ability to play the way they do because people are more focused on what he's saying than what the players are. And that's that's tremendous. Let that continue to go out there in the ether. Don't let anybody figure it out. I know I'm saying it. There's not a lot of people listening to it, but that's exactly what he's doing right now. He's taking the pressure off of these guys. And, you know, Johnny, the way he's, he's building these lineups, even though we're going to bitch about it, you're still getting wins. Almost every single time people on twitter.com are bitching about the lineup. You're still winding up with wins. So at the end of the day, what does it matter? Because Yep. Baseball and, is judged on one thing: wins and losses. Yeah, and you could you could throw every stat out there into the wind, but what does it matter? What do we care about? What do we come on this show and talk about? A win or a loss?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. It's victory beers or misery beers uh, here at Sox on Tap. But when you're talking about it here, uh, for our indications, for and our I, I
0: guarantee you that Tony Larusso loves victory beers. Yeah, you more know more than he loves misery beers. <laughs> you want to make jokes about him drinking? I bet he loves victory beers. More than misery beer. So take that and drink it down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot, Tony. I think you uh, explained a lot about that. Uh, I need to talk, uh, get back to the players here uh, and Aaron bummer, uh, just a nasty, absolute wipeout slider. Like I mentioned, he faced the kind of heart of the order. So to say uh, Ben Intendi, you know, he, you know, had a three hitter, nah, that's, you know, that's a Royals three hitter for you. But either way, uh, after that though, you still have to face, uh, was that Selby Perez uh, and uh, Jorge Soler there. Uh, just absolutely disgusting slider to fucking wipe out uh, Jorge Soler to end that six innings. So I just want to say Aaron, Aaron bummer is back. He's back. I'm pronouncing him back. Um, uh, I love it. Uh, I, I, I love wipeout pitches, Tony. They're cool and tough. Wipeout
0: pitches are, and Aaron Bummer and his slider have just been absolutely nasty of late. I love seeing him back. Johnny, one thing I really want back in the bullpen, though, and I know this is going a little bit off topic. It's Friday night. We're drinking beers. Jace Fry's curveball. I miss it.
1: Right. My guy, Jace Fry, you know, you know, I've always loved Jace Fry. I think he had a really solid 2018 and one of the, you know, very few uh, kind of spots that you could look to and have some hope for the future uh, from that season, because obviously they lost a hundred games during that campaign, but Jace Fry was solid out of the pen. Obviously he has had struggles uh, with both just performance on the mound and uh, injuries too. Obviously that is why he is out right now. Um, but he had showed uh, that kind of stuff there. And that was kind of like the lefty that really s- sat in my mind before. Cause I th- maybe I just saw it and maybe I was in person at games. I I think that's why and I would see just be like, man, go and look at the replay and Jace Fry's curveball is nasty. So, uh, yeah, we'll be on the lookout for him as soon as he is coming back, because uh, I would like to see um, how how he is refined uh, and, you know, kind of responds to that injury. Uh, And if he can able to, you know, be able to figure some things out maybe working with Ethan Katz is different. I would imagine very much different uh, than Don Cooper. So uh, I'm excited to see that uh, when he does return. But uh, Aaron Bummer though, when we're talking about wipeout shit in this game, uh, excellent from there. Um, that, that standpoint. So uh, that, that wrapped this one up uh, for the play on the field. Uh, like we mentioned, Hendricks comes in, locks it down. Uh, three, uh, Zach Collins, real quick, I guess, last point here. Zach Collins, a uh, real nice play because the uh, old, you know, old friend, Jared Dyson, uh, gets on uh, with a bunt uh, with one out in that uh, top of the seventh inning. Uh, and then the next play is a little dribbler. It wasn't a bunt. It was kind of like a swinger, a little roller that just goes down the line there. Uh, but Collins, I'll give him a lot of credit here. He jumps up. uh, has to go... Sp- Uh, Field it with his back uh, towards the base, spin, make a nice throw. uh, And that, you know, that could easily go down the line. That could easily be not in time. uh, But either way, that that relieves the pressure. And then there was just a little line out there uh, to end it in the uh, top of the seventh. And that was ball game. White Sox win uh, three to one here. So I just wanted to shout out some props uh, to some guys that made the place that ended up locking this thing down. So final thoughts uh, from Friday, and then we can get into Saturday's game. Final thoughts from Friday, Johnny. Would have
0: loved to win that first game. Would have absolutely loved to win that first game. I'm taking more stake in the second game, and it might be recency bias, but I feel like that was the more complete effort um, overall. And I do think that uh, just in in my mind, in my opinion, uh, when you do have a significant injury to your ball club, you can tend to – Take your foot off the gas just a little bit. People,
1: um, the, your emotional yeah. leader goes down. One of your emotional leaders, I say Tim Anderson is one as well, but one of those guys goes down. And it can sink a clubhouse very much, did, I think, in game one. So that's just, it can. Point, sorry. And
0: you, you saw that when Luis Robert got hurt as well. Um, I just want to say that the White Sox responded, responded with a hellacious effort. And I think that, you know, when you look at today and you say your, your emotional leader, your captain, your guy, goes down in game one. There, there, there's a mourning period for everybody. Mm-hmm. Anytime you lose anything. Fans, there, players, and coaches alike, I think. Yeah, there there is a mourning period. It's how you respond to that and come out the next game. Just like Tony La Russa said, we're going to respond with a, a hellacious effort. Fucking cool and tough statement. They came back and they did that. It wasn't a blowout win like you're used to seeing from this White Sox team. They came back. They got the job done in Game Two, with a lineup that people were argumentative about. There, there is something with this team that they are able to just continue on. It's next man up attitude. You've seen that from the Yankees. You're you're seeing it from the White Sox right now. It's next yeah. man up, Jared, uh, uh, fucking Billy Hamilton. I wanted yeah. to say Jared Dyson. That was last year. Yeah. But uh, Billy Hamilton comes up next man up. Big, big week for Billy. Big week for Billy. And and Johnny, like you were not expecting Billy Hamilton to be the guy yesterday. Were you? I, I,
1: no, and I just want to say that I am so proud that I can say that I was in attendance for the Billy Hamilton game on Wednesday night, 4 for 4 baby. But th- that's the type of
0: shit, man. It's next man up, get the job done, and this White Sox team is doing it. Lucas gelito your ace, walking into the season, struggling a little bit. Again, I said his performance tonight was was somewhat dominant, just like Tony La Russa said, outside of a few homers. Next man up, you got Carlos Rodon pitching his ass off. Yeah. Next yeah. man up, there is there is something about this team where it is it's, next man up attitude. We're uh, gonna get the job done even when our stars are struggling, and you've seen that through every single championship team they're getting the job done they're doing it i fucking love it
1: i want to give a shout out to our uh, guy over at on tap sports uh, andrew kinsler uh you, you'll hear him occasionally on the show throughout the season um but he had said and he put out a tweet the other day and it didn't get a whole whole lot of engagement and i think it deserves more especially after a win like tonight and that is this 2021 team has uh the quality of resilience which was very much not present in uh, teams dating back to I mean as far as you can really remember mm-hmm. um, well and they really, really push back consistently. And granted, a lot of that is roster construction, too. But there's also a mentality shift, a culture change uh, in place here. So it kind of all blends into what we described as it uh, on Thursday night and continue to talk about here tonight. So uh, I think you made a good point at the end, though, and we can transition to this year's ace so far. Ace to date. I'll call him that. Ace to date in 2021 for the White Sox. Carlos Rodon. Takes the hill on Saturday night uh, against Mike Miner of the Royals. This will be a six ten p.m. Central Time start uh, at the rate, obviously. NBC Sports Chicago is where you can find this game uh, on television and streaming. Um, so, Tony, what, what are we expecting here? I, I'm First of all, I mean, I think I'm just expecting a win. Uh, but performances, uh, trends, uh, will we get Jose Abreu back? All this shit uh, aired out for me.
0: You know, I think the first thing you're looking at is what does the lineup come out as? Is, is Jose Abreu going to be in? Is he going to be out? That's going to be the question on every single White Sox fan's mind throughout tomorrow when you wake up. If you're listening to this, you're probably wondering, is Jose Abreu going to be in the lineup tonight? Um, that's TBD, man. And I don't know if he's going to have a significant impact, whether or not he's in or out of the lineup, I'm going to put this one right on Carlos Rodan. How are you going to come out and continue your performance so far this year? I think Carlos Rodan against the Royals, his confidence is at an all-time high right now, Johnny. He has been pitching lights out. I expect that he's going to come out and continue his same old campaign that he's had this year and put the White Sox in a position to win a ball game. The offense, regardless if Jose Abreu was in or not, needs to go out and give him some run support. There's your recipe for success. It's gonna be a -a winner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm predicting a win too here. Uh, just some factors here uh, regarding Jose Abreu and his status for tomorrow. Obviously, nothing official yet. They're, they're not going to announce that. That's not going to come out until you're not going to know until the lineup comes out at some point on Saturday afternoon uh, or unless they meet with the media yep. earlier uh, in a morning session. So, uh, but our, our guy, thanks to uh, Josh Barlog, uh, on tap sports, sportsnet contributor, for commenting here. He says, doubtful, probably more so tomorrow. I would imagine that too. Uh, day after, you're probably feeling that a little bit more. There's a bruised knee, uh, there's a face laceration, a little contusion there. Um, so, So, uh, yeah, I would think that Jose Abreu is out tomorrow. But uh, I think you're well insulated with Andrew Vaughn uh, playing first base. If that's the route they like to go, I'd imagine Yasmani Grandal back behind the plate, especially since he was removed in that set, not removed, but moved to first base in the first game. Uh, in the second inning and then Zach Collins caught the back half uh, in the second game uh, so I'd imagine Yaz back behind the plate Jose Abreu sitting out once again uh, precautionary kick because he did of course you know the warrior that Jose Abreu is he got up from that injury when, when you know was already like you know, kind of like not knocked out but you know he's down and hurting he's down bad on the field uh, and he told Lucas Giolito uh, via James Fegan on Twitter that uh, I, I you know I'm good I can stay in and it's like no it's like you know that's just you know how he is though that's just how he approaches the game obviously they're going to take the precaution for such a star player like that. I'd imagine tomorrow's another precautionary thing. Um, would not be shocked to see him back Sunday depending on how he's feeling, um, but that could also be a, a no. That's just kind of a gut feeling that I have and Jose Bray's kind of desire uh, to get out there, but I would not imagine him being there tomorrow, but you're still in good shape with Andrew Vaughn with the way he's been hitting lately and, you know, obviously you think the natural position for him is first base. Been moved, uh, done a serviceable job in left field, but hey, when a need arises, uh, he's able to fill it, um, so that's another great quality of this White Sox team flexibility along with the uh, you know resiliency, so uh, that's what I'd imagine from kind of a tactical lineup standpoint here tomorrow. Uh, as for performance standpoint, Carlos Rodon, baby, keep the momentum rolling. Like you'd mentioned, I don't need to elaborate on that too much more. We all know Carlos Rodon has been dominant to start this year. I'd call him the ace to date, and I think that's a very uh, well deserved. And uh, appropriate moniker for him so far uh, in the season because he has been. Uh, he is just uh, r- riding the, the wave, momentum. He has figured it out mechanically. He is much more sound in that regard. Uh, and he pitched well against these Royals last time out, uh, so I expect more of the same uh, on Saturday night.
0: Can we do some meatball takes?
1: Absolutely. It's Friday. It's Sox on Tap after dark. Uh, let's air out all the fun shit now. We're we're past the midnight hour. We're into Saturday now, so let's go. Totally the Russo, Manager of the Year. Ooh, I fucking love it. Uh, I love it. Uh, you know,
0: I've got, ba- I've got background for this.
1: Yeah, it, it dude, I, I could see it. I think, you know, Kenmo was the one uh, to first do that. I think it was a little premature uh, when he was putting those out there because it was still during a period of kind of uh, um, in between, uh, so to say for the White Sox and their performance and results uh, on the field. But yeah, uh, that's a good meatball take. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really have uh, too, too many uh, more meatball takes, but if you got more, uh, go ahead and keep firing away.
0: I'll just give some background on my first one, man. You've got a guy who's managing a, a young team with two of your young studs out of the fucking lineup. You've got uh, some some questions with your pitching staff. You've had Lance Lynn go down. You've had to manage through uh, just total, total fucking every single thing you do under the microscope. And you've got the best record in baseball right now. How is that not your manager of the year? If this White Sox team makes the playoffs, makes a deep run, how is that not your manager of the year at this point? Jose Abreu is going to have maybe a little stint where he's out. You've had so many injuries on this this roster. Adam Engel, even a guy that uh, should be uh, on your roster as a bench player, is gone and can't fill in for... Uh, Your star player in Luis Robert, who's out right now, um, and you're still able to rattle off, uh, what was that, a six, seven game in a row, win streak, come back. You you get your star player, your MVP of the league, uh, gets injured in the first game of a doubleheader. Uh, You come back and you win game two, uh, throwing out a lineup that people are questioning. How are, like, just... The name another team in baseball that's got a manager who's doing something better right now than Tony La Russa. I don't understand uh, some of the hate that we're getting right now. Uh, people still want him fired to this day. Uh, you're sitting there out there, you go look at Twitter and you say, oh, well, Tony La Russa didn't do anything wrong. So the White Sox were able to win a game. Uh, that, isn't that his job to not do anything wrong?
1: Yeah, and he did things right with the bullpen management tonight. That's a tactical one that I can just point to. That's perfect. That, that's how you'd line it up. That's how the stat cast guys would probably go and sit if you're examining the numbers and doing the number crunch every single time about the matchups and all that shit, whatever you want to play there. um, He, he did it perfect to, to a T in game two here today. And also in game one a little bit too, with letting Giolito ride the six, it'd be easy after that because it's like, oh, he's not all there today. Whatever, maybe we can salvage this, bring another guy, limit the damage here and this and all that. Uh, you you got to feel it out. You got to know the situation and all that, and obviously he's been around the game for so long. So, Johnny, uh, we're, mid-
0: we're midway through May. We're midway through May with the best record in baseball, and people want a guy fired. Can we be happy for five minutes?
1: Uh, on Twitter, no, but no. on the Sox on tap after dark, absolutely. Okay, that, that was just my question.
0: You got the best record in baseball. You're still questioning the manager.
1: Because Tony, old, drunk, and stupid, that's it. That's Twitter discourse to a T. Be better. Be better.
0: <laughs> Hashtag Jason Benetti. Be better. Be better, White Sox fans. Be better. For, oh. like I'm gonna go on a little. I'm gonna go on a little rant here. We've had the. We've had the fucking. We've had the fucking lows. We've had the lows. We've had. we, we we've slowly climbed up this ladder. We had a manager who was hunched over in a playoff game about to have a heart attack, about to fucking keel over and dug out. And we still want to sit here and say that our current manager can't get the job done. You've got the best fucking record in baseball for the last few days. You've got to open up your phone, scroll to MLB.com, hit the standings button, and look at the White Sox on top, and we want to fire our manager. Give the guy a little bit of credit, just a little bit, just a little bit. You could disagree with the decisions made in his personal life. But can you really sit here and say that he's been a problem for the best team in baseball right now? Be better. Be just a little bit better.
1: And, and I'll give credit where it's you can't, I, I I can't, I don't have all the receipts to go and point out who's saying what and all that, but I have seen some uh, at least, you know, do that. So, you know, uh, props to people that are and who weren't on board with them, too. And I also, it wasn't my pick, too. I'm sitting here and as AJ Hinch would have been my pick uh, for the White Sox manager, too. Uh, but I can also, you know, kind of look objectively and see, obviously, like you said, uh, the results, fucking that, that speaks for itself there, too. Uh, and then also, there have been times uh, that, that, you know, it was. Be um, maybe you, you talk more about a manager if it's someone that you like, you know, personally. I think that's a lot of it too. It's that, you know, if you just don't like the person, just go out and say that. Just be, you just, be, you know, to put out a tweet that says, I hate Tony LaRusa um, as a person. That's what you do. And that's, you know, that. But uh, don't, you know, pile on and try to, uh, you know, rag the baseball sort of uh, decision, especially it makes uh, when they're good uh, and when they produce wins and when two they, more follows uh, yeah. gone.
0: Two more follows gone after saying i, 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 I checked the this. twitter i love
1: yeah you know you weed, you weed out the cuckoldry here on uh, these late night shows tony it's true I, I can't believe it anytime
0: i support the guy i lose some follows on twitter it, it is what it is i'll gain i'll gain back No, yeah, so i'll try
1: i'll try harder uh, all right. Uh, and now that we're through that, we I remember that we did not do this on, on the last show, so I want to make it a point to be able to do this here. Uh, let's get a you uh, pi- uh, see me a pick to click uh, for Saturday night's game here from you.
0: It's it's hard to do this, Johnny, not knowing what the lineup's going to look like tomorrow. But I would imagine, I would imagine that Nick Madrigal should be starting, and. Uh, I have not been a big Nick Madrigal, Johnny. You know that. I've not been a big Nick Madrigal supporter, but I've actually grown to love his game so far this year. Um, The ability to get on base in today's baseball game is just a little bit different. So I'm not looking for the home run from him, but I'm looking for two singles, maybe a double. I think Nick Madrigal drives some offense tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I I like that. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, especially since we have uh, a lefty hurler on the mound in Mike Miner, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Andrew Vaughn, a guy who, you know, stepped up tonight, uh, had a second career home run, uh, and, you know, just been swinging it well lately. Uh, And, you know, if Jose Abreu, which I predicted, uh, will not be in the lineup, obviously that's not uh, for sure. It's not confirmed. Anything we won't know until tomorrow. Uh, But either way, I think Andrew Vaughn draws into the lineup, uh, given his recent production, and uh, gets the job done at least in some form, even if he doesn't leave. Uh, the yard. Uh, I could see him uh, providing a big uh, single, double, whatever it may be, in a big spot. So I'll go with Vaughn uh, for my pick-to-click for Saturday night's game. Um, Last thing we got here is shout-outs. We haven't done shout-outs in a while. And um, I like to highlight some loyal followers, and this is across the ONTAP network. Uh, This guy started out and was interacting with us, um, you know, uh, throughout the end of last season and uh, throughout all of this hockey season over at Four Feathers Pod, and that is Kirk Zappa. Um, And he, you know, connects with us uh, through Four Feathers. That's kind of how we got to know him and, uh, you know, uh, at least through social media a little bit. And now he has uh, started to branch over uh, into our white Sox and follow socks on tap and interact with us here so uh shout out Kirk Zappa I hope to listen to this buddy um, can, can we
0: know. can we stop and talk about Kirk Zappa for a while is he related to Frank Zappa I, I need know. to know I need to know the answer to this this is like his 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 son maybe grandchild Frank Zappa I don't know but I love Kirk I I love the I love the the jump over to the White Sox train I saw that as well Johnny um and I love that shit. Uh, big Blackhawks guy, big Four Feathers guy. Um, cheers, man. Crack him.
1: Yeah. Uh, cheers, Kirk. So um, you, you got a shout out? And if not, then we can uh, get our little housekeeping done and uh, get out of here. I mean, shout outs for me, Johnny. Just
0: anybody who's listened to this show, honestly, uh, through what we've done so far this year. Um, if you've stuck around, hang out, post in the live chats, love everything you're doing. Um anybody who's listening to the show
1: I like that. Yeah, that's a good shout out too. Yeah, we appreciate our live listeners here. You can also find it uh, in podcast version. Usually drops a, yeah, about half an hour to forty five minutes after uh, these lives are done, and I'm able to get them clipped, uploaded, and all that good stuff. So, um, what's going to go? And, uh, is go subscribe, rate, and review uh, for these podcasts. So if you do miss a live and all that, um, then you can go and just find it right in your queue, uh, in your podcast queue, whatever platform you use to listen. Uh, subscribe, rate, interview, uh, five star. Uh, you know, rating interview. That's cool and tough, as our guy Buzz likes to say. Um, and other than that, make sure you're visiting ontapsportsnet.com where you can find all of our written content about the White Sox and all other Chicago sports teams. We have a great team of contributors over there uh, that cover um, you know all things uh, in all sports uh, for Chicago. ontapsportsnet.com is the place to go to find all of that stuff, and uh, if you're looking for White Sox merchandise or Chicago sports merchandise in general, uh, they got it all there at Grandstand Sox uh, located right by the ballpark. You can visit them online and shop there at grandstandsox.com. Follow them on social media for posts about new products and uh, trending stuff at grandstand socks as well. So Tony, it was a split today. Um, you know, a little bit of a scare injury wise in the first, but I'm glad uh, it was not a concussion for Jose breaks. That would definitely put him out a little bit longer than a bruised knee and a little face uh, laceration. So um, that's my kind of final thought here tonight. And uh, that's what all I got. Uh, say your piece. And then we'll get out of here. Herm Schneider
0: came in there. And saved Jose Abreu. Concussion. <laughs> can't, we go. can't
1: change my mind. A little foil um, had time at the very end here.
0: Yeah, you gotta get you gotta get the ghost of Herm Schneider into the White Sox locker room to save you. Um, but man, it's just great talking about a win. I know we had a loss today too, um, so it feels just a little bit cheated. I think the White Sox could have gone two zero today, and it would have been a glorious, glorious post game show. But it's always great, Johnny, drinking victory beers on a Friday night. Love doing this shit, especially with you, man. Cheers. Um, I think we're going to take this series. The White Sox have been, so far, a great team to watch. We should continue to have fun. Uh, Jose Abreu will be back. They've got it.
1: They've White got Sox it. forever. They've got it. I love it. White Sox forever.